Hi, I'm Deborah Hamilton. Welcome to my podcast, Why Do Pets Matter? Ten years ago, with my iPhone and a script, I recorded the first episode of the Ultimate Pet Resolution Summit, which chatted with experts about conflicts over animals. Our conversations were intimate, honest, and illustrated how disagreements over animals occur and how those disagreements can reshape people's lives and relationships. In November 2019, I started Why Do Pets Matter, a new podcast that continued these informative discussions. I'm so excited to have you here with me, continuing my exploration into a more meaningful conversation about why pets matter to all of us. My guests and I will share ideas, stories, and experiences straight from the heart, unscripted and holistic. From the bravest moments to the most brokenhearted, we will explore how to resolve disagreements over animals differently. One thing I know for sure is I want to have more meaningful conversations that will help all of us unlock that deeply felt human-animal bond that drives the emotions of conflict. Today, I talk with Carol and Shadle again. God, we got into so many great conversations about veterinarians, how they're communicating now coming out of COVID, what might be helpful for them and for clients to practice so that communication can get better. We talked about telemedicine. Uh, we talked about the human animal bond and how that conversation can really help veterinarians learn more about how much this pet means to this client and can also share with the client information that makes the client understand or has the client understand what health benefits this pet brings to them. We also discussed how shelters are now shifting to help people return to work and keep the pet. So much good information. I can't wait for you to hear it. So let's take a minute and hear what Carolyn has to say. Hi, Deborah Hamilton, and I'm here with my dear friend, Carolyn Shadle. Carolyn and I talked before we came on to record about things we've witnessed and experienced and tried to help over the past year in the communication realm. So, Carolyn, thank you so much for coming back on Why Do Pets Matter? Why do pets matter? Absolutely. And certainly during the pandemic, we've seen the pets really do matter. Yes, more they and more do. people adopted pets. In fact, the humane societies ran out of pets. Now they the, really did. Yeah, they really did. And now the issue is finding enough vets who can handle all these pet owners and some pet owners going back to work. Are their pets, are they ready to leave their pets or are their pets ready to be left? Some new questions and new challenges, but certainly pets matter. There's no question. Yep. Which always comes back to what you and I both do, which is help people communicate better. So now that we are down the road from the pandemic, many people having more pets, veterinarians having really more pets than they really can see and trying to do their best. Uh, what has your experience been? Because I know I'm going to share what my experience has been, but I'd love to hear what your experience has been working with veterinarians now. Um, that things are loosening up a little. Well, tell us, tell us what you worked with, because I know you worked while it was locked down and you also worked um, while it started to lighten up. Well, you know, one of the things that I've observed and probably pet owners have observed it too, and certainly the teammate, team members, is that team members are under a lot of stress. Um, they're under a lot of pressure to deliver quickly. Um, to meet new pet owners who probably need more of an orientation than they have 
time to provide. Um, sick team members are out, so they're short-staffed. So they're under a lot of pressure. Uh, and one of the sad things that I've observed is that under this pressure, um, you need the most effective communication skills, but on, when you're under pressure, you sort of forget those. Or maybe you never had them, but you reverse revert to some of the, the most ineffective communication. And then tension just increases within the veterinary practice among the team members. And it spills over to clients as well. And so I've, I just wish that the pressure of time would somehow loosen so that veterinary staff would have time to go back and review communication skills, basic things that will enhance not only their relationships with their other team members, but with their clients, probably with their children, with their partners. Um, but they've always been under a lot of pressure to keep up with all the science that has to be, they have to understand and the new things coming down in dentistry and weight care and so on. Um, so it, it's a challenge to find time to communicate basic, basic communication skills. Um, the other thing that um, has really uh, impressed me in the last, since we talked, is the whole burgeoning awareness of how pets impact their pet owners positively in terms of their health. And the Human Animal Bond Institute has a fabulous library of research that's been done that documents how pets impact health, how they help reduce heart disease, how they help cancer patients, how they help people with PC PTSD, uh, on and on. And so one of the things we've been doing the last couple of years, and, and increasingly so, is to help veterinarians know the science, know a little bit about the science anyway, enough to communicate that to their pet owners. That reinforces to pet owners why pets matter. And they appreciate learning that from their veterinarian. The veterinarian, I think, feels feels uh, confirming that this is the right place to be because the veterinarian has so much to offer by communicating that science to the pet owner. Um, I don't know whether you've gotten into that too, Deborah, or, or not, but- um, You know, the, the human animal bond during COVID has absolutely exploded. I had attended two or three conferences um, hosted by Green Chimneys and by the University of Denver, who both have a huge human animal bond study group and have, have had huge reports and just are the you know, cutting edge of this type of science. But now post COVID, it really has created um, a much deeper well of information because people actually stayed home with their pets and got the full benefit, the full dose, let's say, yeah. of being with a pet during an emotionally stressful or particularly emotionally stressful time. And those with pets have really been able um, to handle it, I think, a little bit better. Uh, people who might not have ever thought about getting a pet got a pet. Um, I love the fact that a number of shelters now, um, Janet Gerlish has, uh, posted that there are several shelters now that have done what I 
started suggesting to do when the pandemic was waning, which is shelters help pet owners figure out how to go back to work, as opposed to condemning them for having to drop the dog off because they don't have any ability to take care of the dog during the day or the dog is very fretful uh, during the day now that they're leaving. I said, let's switch that discussion, that paradigm, instead of taking it back, you know, put a little piece of, you know, the, the shelter area for um, transitioning, you know, transitioning back to work so that they know the dog is well cared for. So you're absolutely right. Um, the human animal bond now is something that people talk about all the time. Yeah, yeah. And um, as people begin to realize that there's research behind this, that's really reaffirming. Um, not only for the pet owner, but for the veterinarian as well. The other piece that um, has intrigued me has been the very important role that a veterinarian plays as part of this triangle. There's the pet, the pet owner, and the veterinarian, and, and they're locked together. And as veterinarians begin to appreciate the fact that they're really part of this triangle, they can begin to appreciate all the little things that pet owners do that demonstrate that the pet is part of their family. They have a birthday party, they have gifts at holidays, they dress them, they take them to groomers and not just for a, a haircut, but for whatever to fancy them up. Um, they very concerned about their food and they want food very often that looks like human food, if, even if it's not. Um, it's just on and on of all these idiosyncrasies that we have with our pets that demonstrate the fact that we really do consider them part of the family. And the more the veterinarian can appreciate that and plug into that, uh, celebrate those kinds of idiosyncrasies, the more that's affirming to the pet owner. And that opens up a, another channel of communication between the pet owner and the veterinarian. It's kind of like we're all in this together. I know I can't agree with you more. And I, I find often when I go speak with veterinarian staffs um, or I'm speaking at a conference and the staff is in the room, um, they come up to me after the conference and they say, boy, we really need you to help us figure out how to speak to some of our clients who are really difficult. Um, but it, it seems that that team member, that last team member, the client, because of course it's the vet, the vet staff, the pet, but then that client, which is the last member of the team and sometimes left on the bench, uh, there, is, there is often a desire to really limit the amount of um, interaction or to interact in a way that isn't as uh, welcoming. At least that's what I've seen. What have you seen? Well, you know, when you talk about the difficult client. That, <laughs> that's a special topic within the bigger topic. And that brings to my mind, again, not, not just the essentials, the effective skills, the basic skills, but particularly the skill of listening and empathy. And that would go so far in relieving a lot of conflicts between the veterinarian or the veterinary staff and the troubled, the, the difficult client. The difficult client is there is difficult because he or she has a particular need or a concern or a feeling that needs to be addressed and needs to be heard and needs to be expressed. And sometimes just the simple act of taking time to let that person vent 
find out really what's behind the anger or the frustration, sometimes it can be resolved. And usually it can be resolved, actually. It may not be immediate, but it can be resolved. Uh, And one of the most effective skills that the veterinary staff can have is listening. And that's a tough one because we've been trained to tell people what we know and to solve the problems. But just listening, uh, reassuring that an an answer will be forthcoming, um, that's enough to begin to reduce the level of emotional temperature and bring the pet owner or the difficult client, we call them, um, to a point where they're ready they're ready to listen. Uh, They're feeling understood. They're waiting now for a resolution. But you've worked with difficult clients. So you you know how important that one one piece of just listening and, and showing empathetic understanding can make a difference. I know because veterinarians are usually taught to listen for observations of the pet owner of the pets so they can diagnose. Yet often I find that they have little time or patience. And I'm not saying that, you know, they aren't under a lot of pressure to get people, you know, um, through and to see a lot of people in a day or especially with COVID. Uh, however, sometimes that conversation takes on more of an emotional discussion as mm-hmm. opposed to, or a, a feeling discussion. I just feel he's not feeling well. I just feel he's not moving well. And that sometimes can be seen as unhelpful and, and part of, you know, not the clinical piece. And I usually tell, as you probably do, um, or help veterinarians and their staff understand that sometimes just listening and reflecting back what you're hearing will help the person get through that really difficult discussion that they're having with you because they feel as if they really need to talk to somebody about all of this. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the interesting thing about listening, I think most people think that they're listening when they've heard the words of the other person. Um, And they maybe even compare it back those words like, you know, I heard you saying that he's not eating well or he's limping. Um, But to go beyond just the words and try to get inside the feelings, how you feel, that's really upsetting. That's that's confusing. I can see that that has made you really worried. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And when we can connect on a feeling level, then the client feels like, oh, you're really getting to where I'm getting it. You're getting it. It's great when I have clients who call me back and I'm sure you have clients who call you back and go, I just used a few of the sentences like, well, tell me more. And by the end of them telling me more, they felt as if I had really solved all the problems of the world. And all I did was tell me more, even though I probably knew enough at the first point, but you coached me to say, every time somebody stops talking, say, is there anything else? Do you want to tell me more? Because as you said, sometimes they have to tell you about the emotional piece as much as the clinical piece. And that will give you so much of a better understanding of where the pet is and where the client is. Yeah, that, that's a great phrase. Tell me more. And there's a whole treasure trove of information that the vet or the vet staff doesn't know until, until that treasure box has been opened. I remember one situation where the client uh, brought her pet in because he was limping. And the 
vet did what you say, made observations about how the pet was limping and, and began to think about what could be done. Um, asked a couple of questions about, you know, how long has this been happening and does he get up, go up the stairs and downstairs and so on. But it wasn't until the vet stopped talking and saying, well, I, we've got to think about this. And she said, well, you know, I forgot to mention to you that we went camping last weekend. And when my husband put the truck down for the dog to get down, the box fell on top of the dog. And, you know, I wonder if that had anything to do, you know, and all of a sudden, like, oh, now we can talk about the history of this event and what's precipitated the, the dog's mobility issues. Um, but sometimes those stories don't come up and we spend a lot of time analyzing and diagnosing without really having the whole story. And it's a piece that might have been useful. Absolutely. And during the pandemic, I know you and I have tried to help uh, veterinarians and their staff because they were also shifting the way veterinary medicine was practiced in a big way, right? So um, I loved when you said they're dealing with new pet owners who might have a lot more questions or might not know what they're doing. But I think also there was a lot of pushback from um, longtime clients who expected the veterinary experience to stay the same, and it didn't. And there was a lot of issues that I dealt with with veterinary clinics to help them have a conversation with someone who was a longtime client who was disappointed that they couldn't get an appointment or couldn't get in or had to wait a long time. And you know, the veterinarians would say to me, I'm doing the best I can. I said, yes, but you're not being transparent enough in your communication to set everybody up to be successful. And I don't know if you had those kind of conversations as well with veterinarians and staff members, because what they, what they needed to do, they did. They sort of kept it close to the sleeve. They let out as little information as possible, or they let out information in a way that was so matter of fact, listen, you're going to come call us and you may be waiting out there 40 minutes, but that's the best we can do, which of course, as you and I both know, is just the best way to communicate. Yeah. Well, you know, as you mentioned, things have really changed in the way pet owners, whether they're new ones or existing pet owners have changed. And one is the telemedicine. Yeah. That field has just burgeoning. And those who have uh, telemedicine platforms, they, they said the phone is just ringing off the hook because people want, vets now want to adopt that. And it's a tough time to go up that learning curve, but it's been essential. And the other thing that that's brought on has now been understanding how to communicate across, across a virtual platform. Uh, it's a little bit different than being where, where you can see somebody and feel them and give them a hug or pat on the shoulder or shake hands. Um, that's, that's all gone when you're communicating virtually. So the vet owner or the vet staff, whoever's doing the communication with the pet owner at home, needs to be thinking about how expressive they are so that people can see their eyes and see their face and know that they're listening. Uh, and of course, using those same listening skills, but leaving space. And sometimes you need to leave it a little more space, a little more time to get a response when you're doing virtually. Uh, that kind of the rule of thumb is, you know, if you say something and you're waiting for a response, wait three seconds. 
Well, virtually it's five seconds. I mean, it's just the world is a little bit different and it takes some getting used to and feeling comfortable and knowing that you can communicate your caring across distance, across long uh, virtual channels, just as you can when they're there, but you got to do it a little bit differently. And you really have to be aware of of the presence you're you're having on the Zoom. You have to make sure you look at the camera. You have to make sure, as you said, you, you breathe because mm-hmm. the people need time to talk to you. And they're they're frenetic usually because their pets, you know, has an issue. Um, and you also, the attorney in me popping up, you have, also have to be aware that you need to know what the laws are for telemedicine in your neck of the woods, because oh, yeah. you certainly don't want to engage in telemedicine with someone who isn't your client uh, if your state doesn't allow that. Uh, so it really is, or you can't go over state lines. I mean, there are so many things you have to make yourself aware of both as the pet owner um, and the veterinarian. So these are things that are coming up now, becoming much more prevalent and not necessarily um, everyone has the awareness of what they need to do to protect themselves and others. So that communication is huge. I'm so glad you brought that up. I'm just, you know, the, the role of the vet in, in people's lives now, I think has changed so much because when I started with pets, we usually got to see the vet, but now, and I know you work with teams as well, and you speak all over the world um, on teams in veterinary medicine and how to have everyone uh, speak the same language, have the right language for the culture you want. It's, it's changed so much now because it's a team as opposed to just speaking to the veterinary in the front desk. It really is a team effort. And I, I'd love to know your thoughts on whether or not you've encountered veterinarians who actually are transparent enough to explain how their office works. You know, my sense is that they are so busy, they don't even know. <laughs> and what you're suggesting is the fact that there is a need to make a change and it's happening. Uh, Certainly the vet techs have a much greater role than they used to, uh, but they need to have an even bigger role. And one of the advantages of bringing telemedicine in is that um, vet staffs are beginning to discover that the vet tech is often the better person to do some of the front work, uh, getting things started with that client rather than having the veterinarian there. But it, it does take a culture change, an internal culture change in the team to appreciate the fact that the vet tech can play a much bigger role than they have been playing. And that sometimes rubs some shoulders. Um, one of the in- interesting things that I've noticed is that we have a multi-generational staff now. We often have three or four generations in the veterinary practice, maybe even five, if you count some people who are owners and maybe they're consultants on the side. They're older people who have been around for a long time, but they're not necessarily in the clinic each day. Um, and that takes some understanding of what is the, what are the um, moments, the life-changing moments, events in each of these generations that makes them who they are. We do know that millennials like the technology and older people maybe are a little slow to technology, at least that those are stereotypes that we have and some fact to back it up. Um, okay, let's, let's leverage what we have. Let's put those younger people who love technology and aren't afraid of it to get the medical records going and get the, the televet 
telecommunication going. Um, and let's also find a way to help older people learn those skills because it's, it's here and people want to make their appointments online. They want to get their records online. They want to communicate at a distance if at all possible. So um, I, I also should mention to your point, Deborah, about the laws because the laws are changing and it's important to keep up with them. Uh, I'm so delighted with the advent of VVCA, the Virtual Veterinary Care Association, I think it's called. Um, and they bring together veterinarians who are using virtual distance learning, distance communication, uh, or want to learn. Uh, they're bringing together people who have those platforms and can provide the service. They're bringing together doubters, wannabes, questioners. It's a great place for people to communicate what they can know about getting into long distance um, care. Uh, and they also keep track of what's going on in the states and how the laws are changing uh, in terms of what can be legally allowed during virtual care. So uh, it's a changing world, but it it means learning new communication skills. It means keeping up with the technology. It means understanding the laws. And these are all things that are gonna help provide service, especially with limited staff. Um, oh, absolutely. It, and the staffs are getting limited. And also um, beside VVCA, there is VIS, which is also informa Veterinary Informational Services. That's another conference that lets veterinarians know how to make their lives easier. I think it is such a burgeoning um, field uh, to get into, to help everyone of every generation. I'm so glad you brought this up. Communicate with their veterinarian in a way that um, helps them feel heard and understood and served in the way they need to be served with their pet. Um, my, my one caveat is, uh, the veterinarians have to really figure out how to be transparent and sharing that with their clients of every age mm -hmm. so that they can um, facilitate the use of or the um, accommodation of people in different you know, mindsets or different levels so mm -hmm. that they have the same kind of experience, I think, with the veterinarian. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't think vet practices... Um, are really going to ever be able to be one size fits all. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe some of the vet practices that are franchises would be fine. However, if you have a practice that uh, accommodates everyone in the neighborhood, and you and I both know in our neighborhoods, we have young people, we have old people, we have single people, we have married people, There, there's going to be a, a difference in how they view or need veterinary care. And so let me ask you, what do you see as the best way for veterinarians to communicate with their clients? What's going on behind the curtain? Mm. Well, you know, what's behind the curtain for all of us is the di growing diversity of our communities. And you and I talked about that last year, um, but I, the problem hasn't gone away or the challenge or the opportunity, I guess we should call it. Um, the veterinary practice has had its clientele and has communicated with that clientele in, at whatever level, uh, but they often have forgotten that other people are moving into the neighborhood 
who speak a different language, uh, have a different heritage. And so the challenge is how to, how to be prepared for that other population <clears throat> and how to communicate. Um, first of all, is there anything on the website that suggests that we welcome people of different ethnic backgrounds and different racial backgrounds? Um, and if they come, do we know how to receive them? Do we now know how to make them welcome? Uh, have we prepared within our staff, within our team, among our team members, what are some of the practices that perhaps would be not understood or not appreciated? Uh, I talked to a, a colleague of mine who's a lesbian, and she said when she first joined the clinic where she works, she realized right away that people with her orientation were, did not feel welcome because the, the um, forms that you had to fill in asked you for your spouse's name. Well, okay, now what do I put? Uh, they asked for gender. Well, what do I put? Sometimes that's not so clear. So as, the, as her clinic became more aware and she obviously helped them, uh, they redid all their forms. They, all the staff got name tags that put their pronouns of preference on their name tag. So these were ways of saying to a client that comes in, you're okay if you wanna introduce yourself in a You're way. safe here. Yeah, you're safe here. And when you fill out the form, it'll be easy because you're welcome here. Um, they did a lot of diversity training within their staff to get everybody to understand this, but it's part of just, you know, we see it in the media. We know the world is changing. Our understanding of diversity is changing. Um, we know that the number of people in our populations who are considered minority are going to be majority very soon. So they're probably in your community and you don't even know it. Um, so when it comes to trying to reach out to clients and make them feel welcome, there's a challenge there and, it, and an opportunity to grow. You know, it's you have made it so clear that the ability to communicate with your staff that might be diverse on several levels, as well as with your veterinarians on several levels, because the, the, the practice of veterinary medicine has become very diversified as well, not as diversified as we would like. It's more women now than men and not very many uh, minorities, but it's getting much better. And in fact, I think a number of the vet schools are thinking about having a more rounded review of applications as opposed to simply going on high academics because we do need to respond to pet owners in a way that they feel comfortable. Um, and it doesn't mean that they're going to be graduating people who are not really great veterinarians. However, it may give people the opportunity to have a veterinarian who's more like they are. And so they feel safer and, and really heard and respected. I think that, you know, as both of us navigate or help veterinarians navigate that communication um, bumpy road, it really takes a lot of listening, like you said before. It, it's sometimes that three or five second breath mm -hmm. while you just listen and let people think after they finish what they're saying is so very important. 
I am so glad that, you know, we have taken some more time to talk about that ability to communicate. Um, I would love to hear what two things you think veterinarians could do um, and their staff to really accommodate pet owners now, because I know that veterinarians are stretched really thin. They're coming back from the total thinness of uh, COVID, but I think they're still running a lot on empty. What two things they could implement that would help them have a better um, communication um, process in their practice for their clients? Well, aside from learning basic communication skills. That's, I guess, number one. And they're never uh, going to do that, just so you know, because it's, as you said, the science is much more important than the skills. Well, so if you uh, come by it naturally, it really is something that isn't necessarily, I know that a lot of um, vet tech staff and vet management staff will come for communication um, training, but the veterinarians really, I haven't experienced that. Have you experienced a, a larger push for communication skills by veterinarians? Well, that's a good point, Deborah. I think I hear what you're saying is that um, older people who have been in the profession for a while um, aren't really interested in trying to change their ways. Um, the younger people, I, I think I, I would agree with you that people that I see coming forth are more the younger people who are saying, I, I chose this profession. I thought it was because I could work with the animals, but look at I have to work with people. And they didn't tell me about that. Um, but and they're more aware that there is a skill they need to get. And that's so wonderful. That, that's probably the case, yes. Um, but I do think the older um, vet staff, as well as the younger, <clears throat> are very interested in the science. Um, they've always been interested in science because that's how they got into medicine. But to know about the research that's been done around the human-animal bond, um, that's intriguing. And I think a lot of people who've been in the profession kind of know it intuitively, but now to be able to put numbers to it and to see what, how owning a dog is gonna save you X number of dollars over the life of, of your life, because right. it reduces the number of times you have to go to the doctor or in, it helps you with your healing. So it actually is a benefit in dollars and cents. And to begin to pull that data together and then share it with your clients, that's, that's a real bonus. Um, and I'll mention one other thing, and that is the tough one. This is the tough one. Taking the time to really learn all the things that are coming out right now to help us understand diversity and inclusion. Um, it doesn't come naturally unless you happen to live in a very diverse community and you've been brought up that way, but most of us have been in our silos and it means reaching out and start with YouTubes or start with a book. Um, it's impersonal. You don't have to communicate with anybody. You don't have to react. You just have to understand. And then you begin to reach out and say, okay, how can I make connections with people? How can I listen to them? How can I sense where they're coming from? <clears throat> and it very well may be some new clients in your community that will help you do that or give you that opportunity. Um, it's, it's a new world and we have to find out ways to participate in this new world. 
It sometimes seems overwhelming, but you and I both know there are small baby steps you can take that really, especially if you hire people who happen to be into communication to help you just get one or two go-to sentences. Like you said before, tell me some, tell me more. What a great sentence. Yeah, just have that in your repertoire and 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 allow people to tell you more so that you can really hear the emotion and the information, because they think both of them, because of how important animals are to us, uh, are so important to share with our pet's medical team. And the team includes the client, which is one of my missions for 2022 is to make it a little more, uh, build a little more awareness around the fact that yes, veterinary practices work in teams, but one of the team members is left off and we really need to figure out how to include them. And that's the pet owner. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. Carolyn, thank you so much. I am so glad you're here. We're going to have you back again. I love speaking to you. We talk about all those nitty gritty things that veterinary practices need to um, hear about and know that there's help out there for them to navigate because their plates are so full and they don't want to do one more thing. Yeah. Sometimes doing one thing alleviates three others. And so, like you said, you know, if you, if you work on learning about diversity and inclusion and language you're using, that might not necessarily be what you mean because you're not from an environment that you would know what it meant could really catapult your practice because you're much more aware and sensitive. And that's really important. Well, and they always say it takes a crisis to make us learn new things. Maybe this is the crisis. This pandemic has been a crisis and I think it's forcing us to open up and discover new things. So that's, that's the positive part. Absolutely. Always ending on a positive note. So Carolyn, tell us where people can reach you. They can reach you and um, talk to you about all the wonderful things that you do. Well, our website's probably the best, www.veterinariancommunication.com. And that's <clears throat> gives you an overview of some of the training that we've offered and some of the topics that we feel comfortable sharing and how to reach us. So yeah, www.veterinariancommunication.com. Wonderful. Cool. Carolyn Shadle, thank you so much for being here. Yeah. And until next Deborah. time, I this is Deborah it. Hamilton, Hamilton ADR, North Carolina. And I look forward to seeing you all again soon. Have a great day. The Why Do Pets Matter podcast drops every Thursday and can be found on whichever platform you find your podcast. Subscribe now, invite your friends, and I cannot wait to have you join me in these conversations.